Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. Cyclical Inc. is a community of church starters, discerners, coaches, and leaders who believe in God's love inspiring faithful innovation through the church. On this podcast, we'll have dialogues with practitioners to gain insight, inspiration, and best practices for starting and leading churches in a post-industrial context. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Brendan McClenahan, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brianna Kinsman and Nick Warnes. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello, hello. So season two has been all about faithful innovation, as we've been talking about, and we're having a conversation about what innovation in the church looks like after COVID and what we need to be talking about and thinking about as leaders during this time, some helpful frameworks for us. So last week, we heard from Sarah Dunn-Pickerell about how to establish equity. And Brianna, who's joining us today? Today, we are joined by Rob Douglas. Rob started Light Shine Church in Thousand Oaks, California, and he serves as a church planting coach for Cyclical LA, Cyclical Inc., and 1001 New Worshiping Communities of the PCUSA Church. Rob also works as a developer with Cyclical Inc. for both Seattle and Spokane, Washington regions. Rob's also one of the authors of the cyclical book, Faithful Innovation, and he wrote the chapter on lament. And in it, he writes about lament as a gift that moves us toward healing. But first he spends some time talking about the importance of giving yourself permission to feel grief and all of the emotional layers that come with that. In fact, he starts out the chapter with this statement, which I absolutely love, to cry is to be human. So given this past year, grief and lament are something that we're all feeling in different ways and walking through right now. And so Nick, I'm really looking forward to hearing your conversation with Rob today. Yeah, I'm really fortunate to have Rob Douglas with us. Uh, as um, many of the listeners will know, Rob has impacted uh, so many lives through his work in church starting. Actually, previous to, Rob was a youth pastor for like 642 years, which I don't know if anyone knew that. Um, but, you know, that kind of a run as a youth pastor in itself uh, shows uh, a bit of the care and loyalty and ethics of someone who is a caring person. Um, so, you know, for our listeners, if you don't know, Rob is also severely self-deprecatory. So get ready for some self-deprecation jokes. It's always lovely. But I know um, within this conversation, uh, we're going to find a, a deep sense of what it means to innovate our way into lament as we move through and out of COVID. So with all that said, Pastor Rob, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks, Nick and Brendan and Brianna. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you know, early on in this chapter, um, lament that, um, by no means are you some sort of expert on this. So, I mean, overarching, like why in the world would you choose to write a chapter on lament, especially when it intersects with the reality of faithful innovation coming out of COVID? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I remember when you were first kind of discussing the idea for faithful innovation and put out the possible chapter titles and asked if I would be willing to contribute. Um, I actually chose lament for some strange reasons. 
first and foremost, because I was experiencing like a deep need at the time for lament. And I thought lament could really be helpful, not only for myself as an individual, but also um, as a pastor in a local congregation that was, uh, that was grieving and hurting and looking for ways um, to appropriately respond. And I saw that lament chapter and I actually thought, you know, so I guess it was that coinciding with the fact that um, I actually know or knew very, very little about lament, next to nothing. Um, but as a kind of learner, as my top strengths finders in Enneagram 6, um, I actually enjoy the challenge of learning something new. And that just intersected perfectly with the fact that I felt at that time I really needed lament in our congregation needed to learn to lament well together. So I came back and asked you if that chapter was open um, and you said, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you've been doing ministry for a long time and um, certainly lament has been a part of your ministry, um, whether it be you know, working with families, working with students, working with church planters, uh, working with people who are doing faithful innovation around uh, Washington State or California. Um, I'm wondering, like, just the separation that you experienced between, oh, I don't know much about lament, but being a thoughtful pastor for decades and uh, how lament certainly had to uh, intersect with your work. I mean, am I way off there or was there just a disconnect? Like, what's the story with that? Yeah, no, I think it has. Um, my 642 years of youth ministry I certainly um, had plenty to lament um, along with my seven years of pastoral ministry. Um, and yeah, sure, there have been occasions, many occasions um, that were really appropriate for, uh, for lament. But I think that lament in the corporate setting in church and um, worship is different. And I think this last year that we were in going through 2020, was really unique in the fact that this is the first time I've experienced this, that due to a number of things that are going on, uh, first and foremost, probably the pandemic, we're actually seeing in the entire world grieving together at the same time. And interestingly enough, while being alone, to me, that was something that really right. stood out. Um, the fact that you know, with physical distancing in our churches, many of them anyway, including mine, not gathering physically, um, you know, on top of COVID, you know, I just remember seeing the Ahmaud Arbery video and then George Floyd in the divisive election that we've been uh, involved with here for the past year, all these things kind of piling on top of each other. Um, creating something that I've never experienced in all those years of ministry. There's just a, a greater need. Um, how do we respond to such things? What do we do with our grief and sorrow individually and collectively and looking for appropriate ways to, um, to allow those things to be what they are? Wait, 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 wait. My therapist tells me that I'm just supposed to shove all of my sorrow and grief deep down inside my heart and cover it up with a rug. Isn't that, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a classic avoidant attachment theory kind of person. Yeah. 
And yeah. uh, for people who experience such a uh, psychological I don't know, uh, challenge like I have around being um, steeped in avoidant attachment, things like lament can make us uncomfortable. Like, what, aren't we just supposed to shove our, our sadness deep down in and just let it fester and bubble for a while? Like, what's up with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, that's a good, you make a good point because that's exactly what I do too. And I think that's what a lot of us do because we don't know what to do with it. We bury it. And I think I started this chapter from a book, um, Underland by Robert McFarlane. And he talks about the things that are underground. And one of the reasons um, he talks about is that we want to dispose of what we think is harmful to ourselves. And so we take that and we bury it um, as deeply as we can um, as individuals. And so I grew up like that too, um, not necessarily always having great role models or understanding that lament was appropriate. I, like you, thought the same thing. Well, this is just how I deal with things. And then what you find individually, at least in my experience, is then we have our own coping mechanisms and ways that we deal with the sorrow and the grief that we bury deep down there somewhere. And most of the time, those coping mechanisms aren't the most helpful uh, <laughs> things that we could be doing. So trying to unearth and dig up lament, which too, by the way, I think is interesting because I think that particularly the Western church, um, like there was a great quote in there from uh, Walter Brueggemann. And he said that, have-nots develop a theology of suffering and survival, and the haves develop a theology of celebration. So in the Western church, particularly coming out of a more center culture, we've excelled in celebration. Um, and that's generally when we think about worship, we oftentimes equate it with that type of praise and celebration. But what happens when we're just not feeling that and we show up together um, and we're just not there. We're not able to celebrate. Um, and th these things, the grief that we bury and we push down just presents those kind of challenges. And so the church is actually done with lament what we individually do with our own grief and sorrow. We buried lament. Um, and the interesting thing that I found is it actually takes a bit of effort um, to kind of unearth it. So I don't, it doesn't come naturally, I think, from your opening question to us as individuals, and it doesn't come naturally necessarily to the church either. Yeah, you talked early on about um, corporate models of lament. I'm just wondering, before we dive into some Bible and some theology here, um, I'm, I'm wondering like what lament might look like for an individual versus what lament might look like for a corporate group. Yeah, I think, I mean, lament as a language of prayer um, and expressing that pain um, is certainly done by us as individuals. I imagine we probably have an easier time expressing lament as individuals um, based on our personal experience and the things that we're going through. Um, we do that maybe a little bit more naturally than we do in a corporate you know, worship gathering setting because I think our leaders in a corporate setting, it's hard, it's hard to do and it's hard to create um, that kind of space and we're not always sure how best to do it or uh, we're afraid of maybe losing control 
uh, which would probably be another interesting thing to talk about. Um, so I do think they're different and it's probably, it's pretty challenging to do corporately, but certainly not impossible. And I think that's kind of a growing edge for, um, it was for our church. I, I remember when I started looking at this chapter, I actually have um, a worship leader, Jeff Bonnever, um, who's very interested in lament. And he's one that's pushed me to, uh, to corporately explore how do we do this better together? Um, I didn't naturally do it well on my own, but fortunately I've had some people around me that have helped me to kind of recognize that uh, lament is a very important and can be a very important and healing part of our, uh, our worship experiences as well. Yeah, and just in the life of a community as a whole as well. I mean, I kind of picture, you know, it is, I like what you said, it's a bit easier as an individual where if, if you're if you're praying and you can say to God, I'm grieving, I'm sad, whatever, like that's 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 um, a, a bit easier. I also picture it, um, or it can be easier um, for, for, for a lot of people. Um, I'm also picturing lament happening in like therapy sessions, in coaching sessions, in mentoring sessions, in spiritual direction sessions. I also picture a, a relatively healthy ratio of lament happening in those spaces, but in the community life of, of a church, which is what we're talking about today, uh, especially uh, for churches who are looking to innovate to create a new and better normal going through and out of COVID, um, why might a church be interested in um, bringing up this uh, innovative yet ancient art of lament for the purposes of their church? Well, I think one pretty obvious reason is, I alluded to it a second ago, is that our folks are showing up to worship and they're feeling it and they're experiencing it firsthand. The things that are going on in the world, especially lately, have been really taxing uh, challenging. And if our churches don't address what's actually going on in the world and where and how God meets us in those spaces, um, we're missing a pretty big opportunity. So I think that's one of the reasons that makes it so critical is we're trying to find and experience God in lament. Um, and so to kind of not do that corporately is certainly would be to miss something that's extremely valuable um, and could be really helpful to our congregations. Yeah, that makes sense. So, okay, let's, let's move from kind of the, the ideologies of this to some frameworks. Uh, you note in your chapter, and I don't want to give away the whole chapter here, uh, but you do set some frames for, uh, I don't know, like a biblical theology of lament. Um, so yeah, as a person, uh, who is white and male and steeped in privilege, I would identify with Brueggemann's quote as one of those that, uh, are, have been a part of the haves. Uh, I also would identify, um, with, uh, what I was taught, uh, as a main posture of worship is centered on celebration. Love that he said that. Right. Um, also would also identify that I was a part of a church for a long time called Northland Village Church that got critiqued a lot because we were too steeped in lament. 
Um, but yeah, as this community was like reading the scriptures, they saw all over the place. So yeah, where are some of the spots you see in the Bible and what are kind of some of the consistencies that you found as you uh, put, put this work in to create this chapter? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing to note is um, the permission giving aspect of scripture when it comes to lament and maybe start there because, you know, we said, we acknowledged already that it's difficult that we do suppress this stuff and we push it deep down somewhere. And then we may have even been taught that, well, we don't, we're not supposed to complain to God. Like that's just right. doesn't seem appropriate. And then what you find is that lament is all over the place. I mean, I think it's like a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. We have lamentations, an entire book of lament and Job particularly. So one of the things that stood out to me was in just taking kind of a quick look at Job again um, and how it relates to lament and the, you know, Job's friends. One of the things that really struck me is Job's friends practice that uh, sitting Shiva, which is like seven days of silence with their friend Job, who was just absolutely suffering. Right. And it was like this really compassionate uh, and wonderful thing. And then at the end of the seven days, at the end of this sitting Shiva, the friends speak. And it was in the speaking that they ruined everything. Right. And an empathic miss to the max. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, we're just, and we see this today all the time too. And actually I cited one example um, in there that was personal for me. We see this all the time today as well, that we're so used to, and we're expected to, especially pastors as professional Christian types, we're supposed to have answers. And so we have these kind of little, you know, nice, neatly packaged platitudes and things that we say and use that we think might help make somebody feel better in their misery. Yeah. And in fact, they just don't do that. They often make things worse. And so, you know, I had this personal example with my mother who suffers from MS. Um, and it was kind of at the beginning of COVID that she was having a particularly difficult time with infections and is completely bedridden. And my dad's taking care of her. And we were having these really difficult discussions um, about possibly moving her into a nursing home. And it was just the most miserable discussions I've ever had with my, with my parents and me and my need. And I did, I did push it down there. And I don't often talk about this. And I brought it up with a trusted Christian friend. And my friend did exactly what Job's friends did to him. He listened. Um, but then he had these neatly packaged answers to these impossible questions and this just inordinate amount of pain. Yeah. And I just found them completely inadequate and unhelpful. Uh, it was hmm. it's just amazing. So I think what's coming up for me then in this conversation is uh, the art of lament as a prescription against empathic misses. <laughs> you know, so I mean, we, we've talked about empathic misses in this podcast before and just how devastating an empathic miss oh. can be. Um, so yeah. instead of, of trying to, you know, tie red ribbons around uh, the gifts of shallow platitudes, instead learn the frameworks of the art of lament and invite people into right. that. Right. That might be a more helpful way to go about doing this work in difficult situations. Right. Yeah. And instead of receiving those 
what do you call them? Empathic misses? Yeah, an empathic miss. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, instead of that, in Lament, we're attempting to find to find God in the grief that we're in. And those empathic misses are not very helpful. Um, right. As a matter of fact, they're very likely to push us away um, if that's really what we think uh, that our, our friends are doing that or people that are around us are doing that. Are we really thinking that this is what God is going to do as well? And what we learn, I think, in my experience, is um, that God is entering, you know, we, we discover that God is entering into our pain and our suffering with us. Um, and that might be some of the more profound um, things that come out of uh, lament. Yeah, so let's um, talk about some of that. I mean, you, you write about the structure of lament, um, which, you know, on the, on, the, on the front end, maybe could be potentially the most boring thing ever to be written about, yeah. but the way you did it was um, very compelling. So uh, while uh, I know you and you are always quick to, um, to critique uh, any sort of industrial uh, equations for how to do this, you, yeah. did, you did set a nice wide framework yeah. Um, for yeah. how lament uh, is consistently structured throughout the scripture. So can you just kind of quickly walk us through that? Yeah, and I'm, is, I'm glad you said that about you and I typically being quick to critique industrial protocols. And I don't think that this isn't, you're, you're not going to see every lament in scriptures um, structured this way, but I thought it was pretty helpful that the kind of big pieces of lament um, first is a turning to God. So, so we could talk about um, complaining and complaining to a friend. And perhaps the difference here is that a lament in, in scripture, what we see is that our complaints um, are directed to God. And I think that's an important, um, an important step. And that scripture is actually, you know, God through scripture is giving us permission to direct these complaints and to take the grief and sorrow that we're holding or we're burying um, and lift those things up to God. So that that's what's listed as kind of that first that first piece. So no avoidant attachment stuff with God. You actually gotta you actually gotta get it out there and name right. it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I, th I mean I think that's that's pretty important. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then the second, you know, is you're, you're turning to God, but at the same time, you're actually bringing uh, your complaint. And so that third piece then is the, the asking for help, um, which we all need. And you see this consistently a lot in most of the Psalms of lament mm -hmm. have kind of follow this, follow this framework, um, really petitioning for God's assistance and just getting through what oftentimes feels like um, an impossible situation, these kind of impossible right. situations where these platitudes just don't do, they won't work. They're not helpful. Just can we take a pause here? Can you give me one of your favorite platitudes that you've heard? I'm sure you've heard a lot in ministry over the years. Can you, can you give um, us like one or two, maybe get a good laugh out of it? Well, <laughs> so our what? listeners also can promise can, to never, ever use these cliches ever again in their lives. Yeah, I mean, th these are difficult. And I actually read an entire book on this this one um, that was really good. I think her name was Kate Bowler. Um, 
And one of the ones she highlights, which we hear all the time is when somebody passes away and it's just awful, um, you know, Christians might say, well, God needed another angel in heaven. Oh um, yeah. That's dirty. That is and, dirty. And I do know that some, someone finds that helpful, but I just say in my experience, um, that's not helpful for someone who's lost someone that they loved. Um, that's, that's an example of one that just, it's just not very helpful. Well said, thank you for that. Okay, so end of rabbit trail. <laughs> let's, let's keep pressing into this frame. So we have like a turning to God, certainly, uh, bringing the complaint, being honest, don't stuff it, no avoid attachment theory. I'm actually asking for help. And then uh, what's after that? Yeah, that kind of final one may be by far the most difficult one is there's this element in the Psalms of Lament about choosing to trust, um, choosing to trust in God. And still, there's still this sense of confidence and hope um, that God is in this situation with us. Um, and so this, this choosing to trust is difficult. And actually, if I, if I have it here, there was a quote um, that a friend of mine who's a poet said that I think was really helpful to me when I read it. I reached out to this friend, Alexandra Donovan. I, I used one of her poems in my chapter. Um, and she actually wrote to me when I asked her a question similar. She said that sorrow can have as much breathing room as it needs because it knows, uh, because joy knows it will have its place. So nice. that's, to me, that's helpful. It's hard, but we're still, we're, you know, in these Psalms of them, we're choosing to, uh, to place our trust in God. And hopefully we're discovering and experiencing God uh, with us when we're going through something that it's really hard and really difficult. So that's kind of the basic structure of a lament um, that we see, particularly in the Psalms. Yeah, I love it. The, um, the reality is, is we're in 2021 and uh, we've been through um, a global pandemic with regard to the COVID-19 virus. Uh, there's vaccines being um, taken today uh, we're hopeful that these vaccines will help us to return to, again, like we've said over and over again in this podcast, not just a new normal, um, but hopefully a better normal. And hopefully a better church is a part of that better normal. And to create that better normal, certainly we're going to have to do the work of the trauma that we've all experienced from the last year. So for our listeners, I'm wondering if you might be able to give them some actionables um, for the purposes of you know their own personal life, certainly, but also the corporate lives of their communities, their churches, their neighborhoods, um, however this rolls out, um, for how to uh, appropriately and helpfully en enjoy, uh, I don't know if enjoy is the word, yeah, let's use enjoy, um, en enjoy the process of lament. Yeah. So yeah, what are some actionables that people can engage in to help bring in uh, this sort of practice that's so often missed in the church? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I'm sure there are going to be many more things than the few that um, that I'll list here. Um, but I'll, I'll go through a couple that um, I think are pretty helpful. 
And the first is, and some of these we've been talking about, but unearthing the biblical language of lament. So, I mean, a first step is finding those things and reading them because in the reading and in the finding of those things in scripture, we realize that we're given, uh, we're given permission to grieve and we're given permission to lament. So, I mean, actionables, I think they start, they start there. And then maybe we move into creating um, space for lament after we have that permission. And this is hard to do, but um, I mean, just the other week, we had a great example of this um, with the rioting and the taking over the Capitol building. And we got together with some people that were planning worship for that Sunday and um, <laughs> praise and celebration didn't seem appropriate um, for that following Sunday. We knew right. that every single person was going, this is going to be on their mind. This is going to be in their heart. This is causing um, incredible grief. And so, I mean, we said we knew that we needed to write up front. We needed to create some space for lament. And so we did some check-in and we asked people in a word or two, how are they feeling? And even just that right there is a starting point. Nice, um, I like that. Yeah, it's just, it's just allowing people, we know, I mean, we know that people are feeling and experiencing things differently and just giving that permission to go ahead and share a word or a phrase about how they were feeling was a nice step. And we actually did some other things with um, lament that day as well with music um, and other things, but there's music, I mean, lament, music of lament, hymns of lament. Um, they're not the easiest things to find, but they do exist. Nice. And so, yeah, that's another uh, thing to think about is um, how can music, or really I, I talk about this a little bit or more uh, art, poetry, images, music, um, how can art help us in that process as well? And then I think maybe after we're talking about creating space for lament is one of the bigger mistakes that I think we make is we'll, we rush it. Um, and we really want to give, that? we're just in a hurry to move on to something that makes us more comfortable, you know? <laughs> right. um, so we want to do it as quickly as we can. Like, well, let's just get this out of the way, but it's not getting it out of the way. It lament, I think is one of those things that needs to be able to breathe. It needs space, it needs some time. So being not being afraid to dedicate um, a good portion of a worship gathering. And in some cases where it's appropriate, an entire, your entire worship gathering could be centered um, around lament and using, using different formats. So not rushing it, um, using kind of art and poetry. So I have a poem that my friend uh, and poet, who's also a chaplain, by the way, um, she contributed that poem to this book. And I think it's probably the best thing in my chapter. It's beautiful. And we've used that poem uh, in worship. So, you know, using art is great. We've got those biblical guides, some of those Psalms, Lamentations, Job, um, using those and reading those and creating space um, are really important. And then, I mean, I guess you can get as creative as you want with this. You could read 
one of those Psalms and each of those points in the structure just allow people space to be silent or to pray silently or out loud or draw or um, whatever it is um, using art to kind of allowing creating space to allow people to, uh, to kind of improvise um, with a little bit of structure. That's actually something that we've been experimenting with a little bit. Um, I liken it to a jazz soloist uh, where you've got some mm -hmm. bass and drums that are kind of keeping holding the rhythm down, but allowing this enough structure for the soloist to do his or her thing. Um, we can do that in worship with lament as well, which is pretty freeing with a little bit of structure, but then allowing people space to express uh, themselves either silently, out loud, but I think there's a ton of ways you could do it. That, Rob, is lovely and a great place for us to land. Appreciate your story here. Appreciate your Bible and theology here. Appreciate the practical examples. And I'm sure our listeners uh, will also want to follow up and contact you um, after this. So if anyone wants to follow up, go a little deeper into this with you, um, what's the best way for people to contact you? Um, probably email um, would be rob at lightshinechurch.org. Perfect. Well, Pastor Rob, as always, thanks for all the ways that you lead. And uh, thanks for joining us on this podcast here today. Yeah, I appreciate you, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. Enjoyed it. And to our listeners, thanks for your time. Uh, I hope this is as meaningful for you as it was for me. And uh, until next time, thanks for giving us a listen. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Cyclical Podcast, a resource of Cyclical Incorporated. You can join us on mission by going to cyclicalchurches.com and signing up to pray with us daily, Luke 10-2, for God to send out workers into the harvest. This episode was produced by Brianna Kinsman and me, Brendan McClenahan. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Catch you next time.